Hey everybody, welcome back to the Rumor Flies podcast. As always, I'm Josh. I'm Ryan. And we're here with our buddy Greg from In-Depth Media. What up, y'all? Yay, yay. So, now this week, we are back to talk about the Baude. The Baude. He means the body. The Baude. The Baude. So we're here to talk about the body, myths, misconceptions, rumors, all those things that we normally talk about. And uh, we got some really interesting stuff for you guys. I, I thought that... Uh, we were going to be struggling a little bit because we really try to narrow down our focus for this week. But uh, I, we got some really cool stuff. So I feel I'm like we mention it almost every time. Like, we really I know, think we're going to be struggling. We're pretty so sure like, it's going to be our worst episode. Well, so we come up with the, these concepts and ideas and it's always like very vague. So you never know. You know, we have these these ideas and these different bullet points you want to hit. But when we start getting into it, it becomes a lot more interesting. Yeah. And I hope we convey that. The last second changes are always really fun. <laughs> So, Ryan, I believe you're going to start us off with some plugs like we normally do. Yeah. So, once again, we are in the Dark Myths Collective, uh, darkmyths.org, if you want to check out a bunch of awesome podcasts, one of which we are. And we're trying to plug some guys every time we're doing this. So, our plug for this episode. (laughs) Oh, shit. Can we put up the infographic that Ryan Caligari says dick is fine with it? Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. Okay. So we're trying to mention a few podcasts that we are <laughs> into and involved in. And we're so sorry. We've already botched this so bad. But the one that we want to mention tonight is called Wittenberg to Westphalia, The Wars of the Reformation by Ben Jacobs. So this one's actually pretty cool because... If you listen to Dan Carlin, and just throwing that out right now, if we mention Dan Carlin again, anytime ever for the rest of the podcast, we get a penalty shot. So That's going to be fun. Yeah, so that's something to keep in mind. If you listen to Dan Carlin, and you have heard The Province of Doom, and you like that, I thought it was one of my favorite episodes. It's one of my favorite episodes. This is your all-around, covers everything about that and more. So The Wars of the Reformation, Wittenberg to Westphalia, is based around the what he calls the early modern era of around 1500 to 1800. That's kind of where he ballparks it at. And it talks about mainly the religious wars uh, based around that time in Europe. It's extremely detailed. Uh, he is very good at presenting what he does, very well spoken. Uh, I highly suggest listening to it. And he's got, I think, about 18 episodes of the time that we're listening to this. So Nice. That's definitely something I'm going to check out. I'm going through Dan Carlin's back catalog right now, so I'm going to definitely have to add that to one of the many, many, many podcasts that I'm currently trying to get through. Penalty shot. Why? I said his name. I'm just letting you know I'm listening to it. I'll do one anyway. F*** you. Whatever. All right. (laughs) So I guess we should jump in and everything. All right. So should I go first, Josh? I did not know Dan Carlin was he who should not be named. Penalty shot. That's fine. Oh, come on now. (laughs) All right. So I'll go first. Hey, Ryan, what's the name of that uh, podcast? <laughs> Sorry. Shenanigans? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry. So I guess jumping into the body myths first is one that is pretty well known, and I do it all the time, and I'm sure everybody else does, and they don't you know, really care whether this actually has the undesired effect. There you go. There you go. Nicely done. We're going to do the fake one right here. If you haven't guessed yet, you know, just. Oh, yeah. 
Cracking knuckles. Plugging guys. Oh, damn it. Come on. I didn't mean it like that. Cracking knuckles. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cracking knuckles gives you arthritis. That's what I've heard. Yes. I, I've gotten into many, many confrontations with my dad about this. To, and by confrontations, I mean him just yelling at me saying I'm going to get arthritis. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure everybody's had that with at least some. Somebody. Not even older person, just anybody. There's In like It's like a half and half split. Well, we're here to destroy that split. Shit on it. Yeah, exactly. But just like MSG, there are people that won't listen to us. So, God, Brian, coming out swinging from the gate. I, I mean, my mom wouldn't even believe me. I was like, Mom, I, yeah. okay. Waffle stomp the shit out of it. <laughs> so the idea behind it is that if you crack your knuckles, you are going to get arthritis. Arthritis is generally a bone disease. There's actually like hundreds of different types of arthritis or over 100 different types of arthritis. So it's kind of a blanket term for a medical condition, but... The most general idea of it is when the cartilage starts wearing out uh, just from any stress or from high impact, your bones start rubbing together and then it causes a lot of joint pain or mainly the joints. Yeah. So what we're going to do is, is look at why would that apply to cracking your knuckles? Well, there's been a few different studies on it. And in 1998, a man named Dr. Donald Unger made a study and he wrote an article called does knuckle cracking lead to arthritis of the fingers in the journal of arthritis and rheumatism so he had to have known what he was talking about to actually be writing to that article like to that journal i guess he's qualified so he decided to do the study on himself he did some old-fashioned classical science where he would decide to make himself the guinea pig and this guy really committed he published this in 1998 right well it turns out that he started the actual study 50 years previ- uh, previously 50. So five zero. he knew in 1948. Yeah. So in 1948, he knew he was going to do this and decided to commit. Yeah. So that also shows how long this actual myth has been going on. I have not found an origin for this. I'm willing to bet that this exists as long as uh, for since arthritis was discovered. Well, I mean, just as far as like a general scope of these, I don't know about you, but I really wasn't able to find a whole lot of the origins of the myths for these. I found, I think, one of them. So I think a lot of these have more like to do with like old wives tales and, and things like that and kind of stemmed yeah, from really that. Yeah, really these apply to things that are so old that it would be really hard to find anybody that wrote it down. It's kind of like an oral history type of thing where right. it's like, yeah, duh, we don't need to write this down. Yeah, so, exactly. Anyway, he decided that he was going to test this out by taking his left hand and cracking it at least twice a day for 50 years, and then leaving his right hand uncracked. That would kill my OCD. Right. <laughs> I couldn't do that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and the math is, that was at least 36,500 times. Guess what? The dude had no arthritis. Like, he actually None? published it, went to a doctor, went to a second doctor, checked it out, <laughs> no arthritis. After 50 years of that, not even from old age, in his fingers at least. He may have had it somewhere else, but not in his fingers. And honestly, I can kind of see the logic behind it where, you know, it is stress to your fingers doing something fast, and then it would rub the bones. You'd think you're wearing down some cartilage by cracking your fingers. Something like that. Well, it turns out your joints have something called synovial fluid in them. And when you crack your fingers, that's the bubbles in the synovial fluid popping. And they've actually done MRIs on people's hands where they crack their their knuckles under the MRI, and then they actually see a burst of light where the bubble pops. Hmm. So That's interesting. Yeah. 
What, what you laughing about, huh? <laughs> I didn't even have to do it. I can't fucking do it. I was trying so hard to keep it, keep it going. We'll get back to that. I'll mess up Josh again without even like mentioning it to him. He's just waiting for me to say it. I can't fucking do it. I was trying Josh, so hard. Josh, we have a very professional establishment. Oh my we god, have standards dude. of this show. I, I felt it. I them. felt it bubbling up, and then I'm kind of like, no, keep it down. It'll keep come it down. back. It'll come back. Just level yourself. So let me let me chime in real quick. I actually knew about that synovial fluid. It's like an egg-like substance, pretty much. Yeah, like, synovial fluid. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, I remember reading about that because one of the times my dad was yelling at me about you know how you get arthritis so i decided to just give him the proverbial middle finger and look it up myself and i printed off something arthritic middle finger. yes and i printed something off uh, from the interwebs and i showed it to him he still yelled at me but well, i mean it sucks it's one of the situations where the only way to negate somebody being an asshole to you about something they're wrong about is you being an even bigger asshole to them with the correct facts which is the problem because you're still an asshole afterwards <laughs> and at the end of the day he's my father and i'm his son and so uh, exactly <laughs> i'm screwed either way so dr donald unger actually won an ignoble prize for this which is the award ceremony held generally on the eve of the nobel prizes and it's given to scientists that do some kind of very offbeat off the wall type of research that ends up advancing the scientific community and this is one of those like it was so unique that he actually did this that they decided to award him it it's not a nobel prize but i, I consider it to still be a good prize so it's like the razzies of the, of the no nobel no prize. no no that's the pignable prize so it's like the mtv movie awards of the oscars closer okay uh, kids choice awards i was, was going to say it it's the kids choice awards Golden Globe, maybe? Uh, we'll go with that. Okay, yeah, I think that's good. But that wasn't the only study that was done on this. In 1975, Dr. Robert Sweezy co-authored an article with his 12-year-old son. And get this, that this whole topic is all about people being spiteful, and they ended up having the power to publish an article. His 12-year-old son co-authored this with him to get the kid's grandma to shut up about cracking knuckles. So <laughs> you, grandma. So... Technically, you've been easy on your dad unless you go out and publish an article. I was going to say, it doesn't look so bad now looking back on it. So not only did this guy do it on himself, he used other people to test this study. And he had 28 nursing home residents, and none of them had an increased rate in arthritis for the people that actually crack their knuckles. Huh. It was about 50-50 the same between the two. There was no higher rate for the people that actually crack their knuckles all the time. And by the way, genius, going to nursing homes and find that out, because you have the people that are late in life as it is, and like, yeah, I think I cracked my knuckles at some point, you know? Yeah, huh, that's a, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, and in 1990, there was another paper, study, uh, paper that was uh, published that took 300 outpatients from a hospital same result the ones that crack their knuckles no difference so cracking your knuckles does knuckles does absolutely nothing as far as medically so far i mean it still seems like something hard to believe i i totally see the logic behind people saying it gives you arthritis because i mean people that run and stuff like that anything with this cartilage involved you can get an arthritis yeah but this one, apparently, it checks out that uh, the little joints, the fluid between your joints, has enough padding to the point where it's not going to cause any bone rubbing or anything like that. But another funny thing about it is just, like, once again, these two studies 
were just spite studies. <laughs> the fact that, like, you know that this wasn't this dude's actual mom. You know this was probably his wife's mom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was the in-laws. Yeah. Because yeah. it said the kid's grandma, so it wasn't his <laughs> it mother. Was, he specified it wasn't his mother, yeah. Here, you little bastard, this is your grandmother, not mine. I imagine him just, like, knocking on her door afterwards and just, like, slapping her in the face of the actual publication <laughs> with the journal. Take that, shit, Granny. Take that, huh? That's funny. Okay, well, hey, whatever reason you need to be doing something is usually a good enough reason to be doing it in the first place. Right. Whatever motivates you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I think that about wraps up cracking your knuckles. I think we, uh, we took care of that one. On to you, J-Mang. <sighs> Don't ever call me that again. <laughs> so what I went into is something that... Oh, my God, both of you. So one of the, the the myth that I took this time was actually something that I know I've heard. I don't know about Ryan and Greg. I don't know if you guys have heard it. But there's what I've heard is that the tongue is actually the strongest muscle in your body. Yes. So, and And one of the things that when I looked into it, Somebody broke it down in a very interesting way that I didn't actually kind of perceive it this way before, but maybe you guys did. I don't know. Um, maybe I'm just dumb. Maybe I'm just hanging out with Uncle Rusty too much. But so think about it this way. When you're walking, okay, you walk a long distance, you know, five miles, let's just say. At the end of the five miles, you're generally tired because you're using your leg muscles and, you know, you're exerting energy. Uh, or when you're in the gym and you're lifting weights, you know, strenuous force, yada, 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 weighs on your muscles. You're going to be tired after that. How often is your tongue ever tired? I'm trying to keep this PG. I was going to say, I was just... Well, for the, but think about how much you use your... Oh, my God. Plugging guys, right? So you think about how much... <laughs> <laughs> so think about how much you use your tongue. I mean, you use your tongue in your sleep, whether you know it or not. It's constantly moving. And the fact that normally, under normal circumstances, your, your tongue doesn't get tired. Yeah. It, it, it was a really interesting thing that I never really thought about before. That's true, yeah. So. I've never thought, man, I really need to give my tongue a rest like mid-meal. I, you know, I, well, I've heard my mom's told me to give your tongue a rest because I'm talking too much. Ah. But I've never actually heard the, you know, like felt like my tongue was tired from using too much in the normal sense. I'll stop there. So anyway, <laughs> Craig's doing the Gene Simmons at me right now. Maybe Gene Simmons' tongue gets tired. That's a good point. Well, he's got to lug that thing around all the time. <laughs> I, I'm sure. He, I wonder if he has insurance on that thing. That's a Greg. You want to Google that for me? Look up tongue insurance. <laughs> I am. Okay. Don't even look up Gene Simmons. I really insurance. Okay. So the way your tongue works, basically, your your tongue has different muscle fibers that are a part of it, and it's not just one muscle. I didn't know that, but it's not just like one muscle that it makes up your tongue. So there's different muscle fibers that are in there. And when one part of your tongue actually gets tired, it's like a tag team and they kind of switch out and another part of the muscle fibers actually starts acting and taking over. So your tongue never does get tired. Really? Yes. It was very like that blew my mind. I did not know it was that complex. It's like switch hitting. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's a good way of looking at it. Like I said, your tongue is not actually one muscle. It's actually eight independent muscles that make up like a muscle matrix in your mouth. So, really quick, um, I don't know if there is specifically tongue insurance, but Costa Coffee, I'm guessing it's a big name coffee group, um, an article in 2009 from The Telegraph, the official taster for Costa Coffee, his tongue is insured for $10 million. Nice. Oh, damn. So, is there a tongue insurance? Um, Sounds like... If your tongue's important, you can get it insured. So I'm it's probably sure, like so, in the olive oil industry too for uh, spoilage, for uh, testing for spoilage. So that's probably a good point. So we're gonna so, 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 so we're gonna go with yes, more than likely. Adding it to the show. Huh? Cool. 
So, uh, you're, like I said, your tongue is eight independent muscles that make it up. One muscle, so it's basically broken up into like two sets of four. One muscle holds onto the base of the skull. Another connects to a bone in the throat. There's a muscle that grabs on the lower jaw. And then there's one that um, wraps around the palate. And those four muscles basically is what allow your tongue to move from side to side, front and back and up and down. See, that's really interesting because I thought of the muscle as just one, like just the tongue is one muscle. No. And it's really more like an arm. It's just pulled yeah. and pushed both so different ways. your bicep can be tired, your tricep can be tired, different parts can be tired. But that's why like that allows the different parts of your tongue to interact with each other and take over. Huh. They're so, and then the other four, basically, they make up the tongue's body. So you got four that do those specific parts and the other four kind of just rotate between moving your tongue around and stuff like that. And that's what gives it the range of motion. So the question is, is the tongue the strongest muscle group in the body if that's the case? Uh, So the answer actually is no, because we don't actually know what the strongest muscle in the body is. And that's because it's a very relative term. Uh, and it's because it's very subjective. So what I did do was that there are three candidates that basically are... Uh, in the running for the strongest muscle in your body. One is the gluteus maximus, which is your ass. Really? Yes. It's the biggest muscle in your body. Oh. Number Another one would be your heart because it works the most often. Mm-hmm. And the third one would be the masseter. I believe I'm saying that right. It's your jaw. Masseter. Masseter. That was close enough. The masseter, I mean, think about the force your jaw can exhibit. Think about biting into like a, a, a jawbreaker. Right. Like how much pressure you can exert. So those are like the three big ones that they, if you're going to try to narrow it down, those are the three that people normally go to. See, I would have thought it would have been just like the upper part of your muscles of your legs, like for leg presses and everything. Because, I mean, we're standing upright all the time. And I figure our muscles, regardless of we're in shape or not, would definitely be the workhorses of our bodies because it's our locomotion and they're always being used. See, actually, if I were to guess what the strongest muscle in my body would be, I would have guessed uh, your, your abdomen. Because yeah. your, your core, I mean, think about well, how much you use your core. Though. No, because think about what you can do in terms of like ab press machines and then how much somebody can leg press. Usually it's by a factor of almost two. But also let's look at the fact of how much difference working at your abs makes to the other parts relative to your body. Yeah, I can agree with that. that yeah. That's how I looked at it. So I was just wondering, like, I guess a it'd have to be a relative thing in terms of like strongest. I mean, you could go with well, that's what, what, I said, what weight relative. they could push. But if you went by relativity to size, like, you know, what can your tongue do in terms of like lifting a weight? Like, I guess. Well, it's that's so mass. that's why you're masseter. That's why. Like, so they have as far as strongest, like biggest, it's your gluteus maximus. Strongest for hardworking, your heart and strongest relative to the side. It's the masseter. Yeah. Okay. So I thought that was really interesting. So, But it's definitely not the tongue. No, but the tongue is really f***ing interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that. I learned a lot about the tongue that I didn't think that I knew about before. Also, very tasty meat. Oh, beef tongue. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I've had beef tongue. A lot of people are really scared to eat it, but it's really like one of the most tender things. It's very get. tender. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Unless they leave the taste buds on it. That was the one of the grossest experiences that I've had. And I eat some weird things occasionally, but taste buds is one of my no's at that point. He so definitely eats a lot. You, you eat everything. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm so I think <laughs> sure. I about covered the tongue, but before we get into you, Ryan, is there a reason it says, hi, Josh, it's me dog in the show notes? I didn't write that. Craig, <laughs> okay. I was just looking at that. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, oh, oh. Actually, there is one thing that I do want to get into. Um, and I should have said this at the beginning of the episode. There is one source that we used a lot for 
pretty much since we got I got the book about a week ago that we've been really referencing a lot. The book is called Why Do Men Have Nipples? And the reason I'm bringing it up is because they have a lot of really cool stuff in there. And there's actually a series. I believe it's a three-part series that I know about. I have the first two. But like I said, the book's called Why Do Men Have Nipples by Mark Lehner and Billy Goldberg, MD. So if you like a lot of what we do, definitely go check out those books. They're really cool and they're really interesting. They have a lot of really good stuff in there. You'll probably stop listening to us. It gives you the straight facts about the bullshit. <laughs> it's not all that we use, but it's a really good jumping off point. So I did want to mention that because I want to give credit where credit is due. Right. So anyway, on to you, Ryan. Right. So the next thing we're going to move on to, speaking of tongues, is Pacos. <laughs> for some reason, this is like a trigger for him. It's, it's unbelievable. So, it's such a stupid image I have in my head. <laughs> I said I would fuck Josh up in the middle of the episode. Okay, and I delivered. Go, go, we're getting off the rails. Go, go, go. Shaving. All right. So, we're going to go on to shaving hair. All right. So, this one's going to be pretty quick and dirty. Shut up, Josh. <laughs> we're gonna get into shaving hair i've heard two different versions of this either shaving your hair constantly whether it be your legs or your face or your arms or whatever part of your head that you would shave it grows back either faster or thicker or darker, darker yeah yeah i've heard all that You've, yeah exactly i'm familiar with it uh this has been around for a while and it turns out that the studies about it have been around for even longer. And I usually don't give much credit to any studies that were done before, like, 1950. Yes, scientific method did exist before then, but people just, it wasn't as standardized. So the facts are a little bit wishy-washy as it goes. Because it wasn't as scientific back then? Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, I know. In a, in a sense. Yeah. So, in 1928, there was a study where four men, which is already a pretty small sample size, but they work with what they can. They don't have much communication back then. So, four men all volunteered themselves to use the same brand of shaving soap, same razor, not sure between them, but like the same brand, and the same temperature of water. I actually very much credit them to that. That's a pretty cool Uh, thing that I would have overlooked. That's a good thing, yeah. They all decided to take uh, downward strokes on one side of their face and shave. And they would do this periodically over about two weeks. I think this is what the study said. Yes, two weeks. So every two weeks, they would go and shave again. And they would take those shavings after the first time and then measure them compared to the previous two weeks and see how those grew out and did a comparison. Nice. No difference. None. Whatsoever. So no, it, no difference in length, color, anything. The mean was all the same. Like there was no significant outliers where they just saw like it jump up by a few points each time. And it's all different between the person because people grow their beards well, faster than others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But per person, relative. the average length was about the same at that two week point. Okay. So, I mean, that was pretty good. And then 1970, they decided to bump it up by a large factor of one person. They had five men shave one leg weekly for several months. And uh, they used the other one unshaved. What? Are you thinking about the Paco again? <laughs> you wrote it in the show notes and it's right. I waited until he's looking it's at it. It's all caps. I waited wait until he's looking at I the screen. Uh, come on. For anybody that doesn't know, a Paco is a pocket taco. And it's something that I thought was real as a kid. I thought that's what the name Paco meant. It was just a shortened thing for pocket taco. I didn't know it was somebody's actual name. Okay. <laughs> And Josh finds that uncontrollably hilarious. It's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. I find Josh finding it funny uncontrollably hilarious. It's so stupid. 
right. We're going to have sorry. to make some one day. Oh, my God. Okay. So the, so the five men. 75 men. They, they, shaving their leg. After 50 years, almost 50, no, 42 years of waiting, they got the budget for a fifth man. Yes, they got the budget for a fifth man. We sent him to the moon. <laughs> I don't know how that's relevant whatsoever, but so these five guys decide to shave their leg and then leave the other one unshaved as a control for a period of several months, and afterwards they just let the other leg grow willy nilly. Uh, so both of them were growing at that point. No difference. No, they didn't have werewolf leg on one and then just regular human leg on the other. Huh. So that shoots that one down too. And the reason why some people might think that hair is darker once it's shaved or grown out is because new hair is not exposed to pollutants, chemicals, or the sun right as it's being regrown. And it applies oh, to waxing, too. Okay, okay. So, like, you know, I'd say the sun can kind of bleach the hair a little bit depending on how long you've been out there. This apparently means that when they first come out, they don't have the chance to get that sun exposure. Right, oh, yeah. So it grows out a little bit darker. Huh. And also, if you think about it, if growing back faster is the case, we wouldn't have to worry about balding. Like people that shave their head That's all the time. That's a very good point. Yeah. It would just be growing back like crazy. So if you want to prevent yourself from growing bald, just keep shaving your head. That's a very good point. But that's not true. I'm so. saying, no, no, but no, that's no, no, not no. true. That's... But I'm talking about, like, as a whole. I'm talking about the whole point you're making. It's a very good point. Yeah, that's what I like. The simple logic that just shuts some of these down where it's just like, well, if that was the case, then how come this? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a. I, I like that. It's, uh, that was like when we were talking about with the brain, with, um, the different aspects of it, like if, you know, we only use 10% of our brain, then why didn't parts of our brain die and why aren't, our, you know, why aren't we have smaller heads, basically, kind of thing. Exactly. It's similar to it. So, yeah, I like those. Okay. All right. Now, Josh, I think we are getting to your finale of the episode, no, or at least the, I the peak. Uh, oh, the denouement, if you will. I, th- I think this one is the one you've been just dying to get to, so... Uh, yeah. So I'm just going to preface this by saying that I'm not going to be able to get through this without laughing, because I'm a child. So I know it's potty humor, but it's going to happen. So I'm just forewarning all of you to let you know that this is about the Blue Angel. It's more potty warning humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So what's the hot topic? Okay. So like I said, mine was the Blue Angel. And there's the... I don't know what you even want to call this. Uh, Mythconception? The mythconception, if you will. Yeah, callbacks. Uh, That the Blue Angel is basically, can you take a fart and light it on fire as it comes out of you? Everybody's seen Dumb and Dumber, yeah. Yeah, the famous scene in Dumb and Dumber when... uh, what was it? Lloyd's talking to Mary, fan- or he's fantasizing about being with Mary and her family. And yeah, the it was a dream sweaters. sequence. So. Yeah, he's, he's Christmas sweaters and everything, and he takes the lighter. Yeah. So what I decided to do was get real classy about this and write down a bunch of different names that that also encompasses it. Oh, so, you didn't tell me about this. Pyroflatulence? <laughs> Flattus Ignition? The Blue Hue? <laughs> the Blue Dart? And the Blue Angel? Now... As part of my research, I found the fire fart recipe. <laughs> it is three parts chili dog, <laughs> one part six pack of beer, and one one big lighter. And the instructions are you eat the weenies, drink the beer, ignite the lighter, place it up to your ass, and make sure the cat's out of sight. But there is one warning and it says don't do it in your underwear. Wait, what? Do not do it in your underwear. That's what it says. Why? 
Uh, because I think you can burn it, like burn your underwear and, oh, okay. and then catch on fire. I think it's a safety thing. <laughs> so that's the fire fart recipe, in case you're wondering. Three parts chili dog, one part six pack of beer, one big lighter. Kids, just take these, the supplemental content. Do not do any of this. Yeah, no, we don't condone doing this, but just letting you know, you can totally do this. Don't play with fire. Yeah. So, actually, and another little, and so actually, I'm actually going to get into the science behind this, and I'm not going to get like so scientific, so sciencey behind it. I don't know what word I was trying to say, but I caught myself there. So, I, yeah, I, I didn't want to dive too much into it, but I thought that it was relevant at points. So, you can actually change the color of your fart. It doesn't necessarily have to be blue. Oh, really? <laughs> what? <laughs> in your notes. Yes. Uh, well, it, I don't have all. I have no, 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 separate. No, no, stuff in the notes. I'm saying, but this specifically was not in your notes. Yeah, no, it can change. You can be orange, it can be red, and it can be blue. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be the blue angel. Well, I know if you light magazines on fire, the blue ink turns green. Yeah, so maybe was, we can work that in. So it actually depends on what your diet is. <laughs> that determines what color it'll be. Okay. So, and I thought this was just great. So I'm going to read a quote from Wikipedia. As t- Wait, is this the same guy that said you could buy a bag of Jenkum off me for 10 bucks a bag? <laughs> no, 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 no. But it says, and I, and I quote from Wikipedia, in order to fire fart, one must have a fart prepared in the anal cavity and a lighter at the ready. Then they fart onto the lighter. You know, I'm glad. He actually wrote scientifically because he didn't say you in it. No. Like, hey, that, that's good. He, he addressed it as best as he could, I guess. So, um, Now, I wanted to get into uh, the composition of a fart. Now, there's many, different <laughs> there's many different components of it that varies dramatically among the individual. But there are six major components of a fart. Carbon dioxide, hard- hydrogen, hydrogen sulfide, methane, nitrogen, and oxygen. And methane burns and oxygen forming water and carbon dioxide often produces a blue hue. So that's where the blue comes from. And then hydrogen sulfide also combusts. That's also the thing that gives it its uh, pungent smell. Now, when I was uh, doing some more research in that book I was mentioning earlier, Why Do Men Have Nipples? It actually broke down igniting a fart a little bit more. And it says an average fart is composed of about 59% nitrogen, 21% hydrogen, 9% carbon dioxide, 7% methane, and 4% oxygen. Less than 1% of its makeup is what makes a fart stink. So that's pretty impressive for some people that drop some absolute bombs. So I'm just going to say that. Uh, Fun fact, the temperature of a fart is about 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, The other thing is... Isn't that the temperature of your body? uh, 98.1 is standard. Yeah. So it's actually a little bit warmer. It's anywhere between 97.7 to 98.8. So this is an aside I probably should have brought up earlier. Have you ever had a fart that was so hot you thought your <laughs> Yes, yes. You thought oh. your pants caught on fire? No, 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 no. <laughs> what? What? No. You've never had that happen? No. I thought that like I've shit myself before when I farted, but it oh, turns yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's run of the mill. No, there's been times when I farted that was just like Have so. You ever, yes, finish this statement. No! <laughs> No, I thought the bread came out of the oven early once, but that was just, you know. No, 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 no. That's typical. Uh, no, like, there have been times when I farted and it has been <laughs> so dank and so hot that I was genuinely concerned about singeing my underwear. Shit, somebody needs to plug you. So anyway, uh, and the other thing that I wanted to say, well, there's two more things I wanted to say. Farts have been clocked at a speed of 10 feet per second. 
And the last thing was, most people fart about 14 times a day. You know, I've never really counted, but I'm going to start. So, I mean, uh, that's about, I mean, you fart in your sleep. I know that. So. You know that I do. Well, specifically. Rule of thumb. I mean, you fart in your sleep. It happens. So, I mean, you fart more than once every two hours. Okay. Makes sense. So, that about wraps up uh, the blue hue. And, I mean, that was more fun than anything. It was, you know, there was always the, you know, can you or can you not do it? You can. Uh, and the other thing is, is that in the show notes... We do notes, not advise you trying to do this. No, so no, no, no. It's very clear. But I do want to also give credit where credit is due like I did before. There's this one YouTube video that's about 20 seconds long. That is the <laughs> most monster flame of a fart that I've ever seen. And I know my farts and flames because I did a lot of research into this. And to... Like, I did my due diligence. I tried my best. And, I mean, it is pretty impressive. This so. one got the bluish brown metal. <laughs> yes so so with that uh, being wrapped up and it also wraps up our time with dark mist because they're not going to ask us back after that no yeah exactly but i guess i'll get on to my last topic of the night and this one is a little bit more sober but i still like it this one's a pretty good one it's the myth that the baldness trait comes from your mother's father I'm almost certain that everybody that has any Italian people in their family have said this. Uh, no yeah. Italian, I've heard it. What? No Italian, I've still heard that. Goes even past that. My I've mom, heard it. My mom straight up went. My mom straight up went. My dad was this, like, yeah. So baldness is from hate mail too. the mother's father. <laughs> so I'm just going to go ahead and get into the facts of this because this is a pretty well-known one. It's said directly if you are going to go bald or you want to know if you're going to go bald. Look at your mother's father, see what happened to him, and that might give you a hint of your future in terms of hair. That's like if you want to see what your girlfriend's going to look like, look at her mother. Oh, yeah, that one too. There we go. Well, I'm going to jump straight into the science for this one. So, what happens on the scalp is that testosterone combines with an enzyme called 5-alpha reductase to form dihydrotestosterone, or DHT, which causes hair follicles to shrink and become more sparse. The link to the mother's family was first described in 1916, and in 2005, German researchers identified an androgen receptor labeled AR on the X chromosome common to many bald men. So, X chromosome comes from the woman, Y chromosome comes from the men. Yes. Right? Okay. We'll get into more of that in a minute. Exactly. Men inherit a single X chromosome from their mothers and have a 50% chance of inheriting the AR gene for baldness if their maternal grandfather has it. So, uh, what, what is that? Pundit squares? Yeah, well, Punnett squares are a little bit dated. It's a good way to look into but, the yeah, idea just of genetics. for like a visual. Exactly. But we're going to get into something that I just learned about this. The next little bullet point that I have here, and usually I hate reading directly, but this these quotes sum it up much better than I could. Nice. Quotes. So. Shot. Penalty shot. Oh, shot. I just said quote in a graphic voice. Quote of Big DC. Okay, so. But it's a penalty shot for you, too. You, tr- you tried to slip it under the radar. It counts. If, if it counts for me saying his name, abbreviations also count. Me saying quote with a gruff definitely counts for you. Yeah, okay, whatever. Quote. So, a study in 2004 found that men whose fathers had male pattern baldness were 2.5 times likely uh, to have some level of hair loss than men whose fathers did not, regardless of their maternal grandfathers. So, it depended more on their father than their mother. Kind of. 
it keeps going through here. So they found out that there was actually a link on something called chromosome 20. So each chromosome 20, each person gets a copy from their mother and a copy from their father equally. So gene variation for baldness is an additive gene, which is neither dominant nor recessive, which I didn't know was a thing. I didn't either. So it's kind of like it's not going to be suppressed by something or it's not going to overtake another gene. It's just going to, if it's there, it just is like hangs out and like, hey, can I be here? And like, yeah, sure. It's whatever, you know. Huh. So that gene, additive genes, did not know about that. Pretty cool. Yeah. So gene variation for baldness, let's see, men with one affected copy of chromosome 20 are 3.7 times more likely than those not affected, and with two copies that are affected are 6.1 times more likely to be bald Bald. later on in life. Cool. So it kind of makes sense because men, if they get, they only get one X chromosome. Women get two X chromosomes. So... What happens with that is Science they have a chance out. for it to actually be reduced and they do not get as much baldness as men because they it's kind of, I think, let's see what else. Colorblindness is a good example. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So most of the time, colorblindness is a recessive trait on the X chromosome. Yeah, it's but predominantly it, in males. It would take a lot for, you know, two recessive Xs to come together and actually be predominant there. Yeah. So women, that's a commonly known thing that women are much less likely to be colorblind right, than right, men. yeah. Because men only have that one X, and the deal is some women can carry that recessive, and if they have a recessive and a dominant, then they're not going to know that they have the colorblind gene. But when it gets passed down to their child, and they pass on that recessive there, then there's a potential that that child will be colorblind because the male has no contribution into that for the Y chromosome. Well, that's, I mean, personal story here. I mean, I'm a twin. We're fraternal twins, but... This is actually a great point. But my my twin brother is partially colorblind. My father is partially colorblind as well, and I guess what my... What does partially mean versus... So it's different colors. It's not like full-on black and white, but like Rarely purples, reds... black and white. Yeah, yeah. It's like purples, so, reds, greens, blues so people, all get confused. So the people who, they're like, I'm colorblind, I mix up red and green, they're actually technically partially colorblind? It's yeah, I mean, like it's Ryan the human said. colorblind. Yeah, like, that's, if I'm yelling or anything, I've headphones on. So. No, 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 no. You're yeah, fine. It, it, but it's it, <laughs> like Ryan said. It's very, yeah. it's very rare that you ever find a human that is just black and white. It just gotcha. really doesn't happen. So it's only technically colorblind if it's black and white. Everything else is partially. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I can't say that with an absolute fact, but. From my personal experiences, yes. Okay, because I've heard people say, "Oh, I'm colorblind. I mix up these no, two colors." No, it's gotcha. yeah, it's like my brother and my dad, like they're they're purples, reds, greens, and blues. It depends on the shade of them. They all get kind of very murky, and uh, they have a very different um, deciphering uh, as to which color is which. They have trouble with it picking out gotcha. which one is which. Yeah, so it's just kind of a diffusion of colors, like the reds and the greens. So mainly. this room would be terrible right now. Yes. No, blue usually isn't that much of a. Big it depends. Deal. It depends on the shade of blue. You said it's okay. purple and blue, right? Like purple, re- purple, red, blue, and green are the four that he mostly has come, uh, mostly has trouble. Right. So it's more of like a not being able to tell. It's kind of iffy, but it's not like if somebody goes to Nebraska and sees a beautiful scene. It's not like they're an Ansel Adams view. So, right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So with me, I have no issues with it whatsoever. I, I'm. I don't have any problems deciphering which one is which. My, but my brother and my dad do. So that's a great example. And that leads to my. If that's the case, then why not this? Brothers, sisters, anybody, siblings. My dad, bald's a cue ball. Yeah. Exactly. You saw how he was. Extremely bald. You know, no hair whatsoever. None. 
my uncle, who is actually both of them, who are 14 and yeah, 15 years older point. than him, yeah. are both full head of hair. Full head of hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's a great point. So, and that's just not just me. You know, anecdotal is a bad thing, but the deal is there's a lot of people that are even, you know, fraternal twins. And ding, 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 ding. there you go. So we're going to see if you or George goes bald first. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting because, and I think it's a very, I think it's not, I don't want to say better because that's not the right word, but the fact that we're fraternal twins and it's two separate eggs, like that, that is what to me, like we we're brought. So there's really no difference between him and I, if he was born like five years older than me, he was just born a minute earlier, basically. Exactly. That So the fact that he's partially colorblind and I'm not just Goes right in hand with him. And George was one of those kind babies that didn't wrap his umbilical cord around your neck when you were coming out. I, I, I can't. We know somebody like that, actually. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. That's very No, that's and very nothing true. happened to him. They were no, both I know. Like, well, one of them ended up being kind of a dick, but, well, you know, it's whatever. I wasn't trying to go there, but. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I well. agree. Anyway, so I'm done with that. So, me, I'm going to wrap this thing up and. I'm going to go into can men lactate because I'm going to be honest with you. I really never thought about it. I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk milk me? me? That was perfect because his name's Greg and meet the parents. I just realized that I was going to look at you and do that, but I realized we have a Greg in the room. I was giving you way too much credit. There we go. Getting your De Niro on. (laughs) God. So can men lactate? Now I've heard that men can lactate, but I mean, like I said, I never really gave whole lot of credence to it just never really thought about it i have heard of the dake bat, uh fruit bat they do breastfeed yeah the diet bat uh i can't ever get this stuff right i go over it with ryan beforehand because i know how to say literally things that have like five or more letters it just doesn't work in my brain really quick drugs episode what was the thing try food i don't know (laughs) there's a t in there i knew you gotta realize that after like three hours it's gone all right, pronounce this word real quick before you get into it. P A C O. All right, now I feel bad for earlier. <sighs> All, All right, right I'm I getting back into this. Okay, so, so like I said, the fruit bat. They actually breastfeed, but there's there's really nothing else that really does it. Now there have been instances of like cats and some rodents that, in like extreme circum circumstances, have breastfed their young men. Not women. Right. Male. Dudes. Panacea. So. (laughs) So, to break this down, for both men and women, breast tissue contains hollow cavities lined with milk-secreting cells. But what causes the lactation is the prolactin, a hormone which is produced by the pituitary gland and stimulates the mammary glands to produce milk. You know what? I'm just going to cruise through it. (laughs) Whatever comes out, comes out, okay? That wasn't me. I know. Oh, I'm a doctor's kid, token doctor's kid. Blah, blah. So, uh, so, but the long story short is yes, it is possible for men to lactate. Right. But if you're doing that, you need to go to a fucking hospital because shit is really wrong. Um, the most well known instances of this actually is in World War II when people who survived prison camps. They started lactating. Really? Yes. So after being starved for so long and not having adequate nutrition, once they got it in there, their liver couldn't keep up. So 
Got their, wet in there. So their hormone-producing glands re- rebounded quicker than their liver, basically, which n- your liver normally metabolizes the hormones, which resulted in the hormonal spike that caused lactation. Really? Yes. So that means that pretty much there wasn't enough catch-up time and you just start milking afterwards. Yes. Yes. See, that's interesting to me because it takes energy to even produce milk like that. I know. So as a result of you not having enough energy to run your own body, you start consuming more energy just to make milk for a baby that you probably don't even have. Yeah. I mean, like I said, basically, if you're a guy and you're doing it, something is very wrong and you need to go to the hospital immediately. Hmm. I mean, they they were so deprived and their body was on the brink of shutting down completely. And then they got these nutrients in there and then it just kind of kicked into overdrive all of a sudden and their liver couldn't keep up. And that's why it happened. So this is not just water coming out of the nipples when men lactate. This is like full-blown milk that I guess is from like a rudimentary mammillary gland. Mammary? Yeah. Yeah. That is exactly what I took away from it. I'm going to correct that right now. Mammary gland, not mammillary. I don't know what that is. I read it somewhere else. I don't know what that is. A mammary gland? Oh, no, no, no. The other word. Oh. I'm not even going to try to say it. I think I made that one up. There's a good reason you don't know what it is. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, but that's basically what it is. Uh, and the fact that the most well-known instances are prison camp survivors and the, one of the most horrible times in all of mankind. You know what? I'm just not going to touch that one. So, well, I mean, I mean, it makes sense though. Like your body's so broken down that this, I mean, this is what happens. Yeah. You all of a sudden have a, you know, a surplus of nutrition that I, you know, I guess just like, uh, you're pre uh historic uh what's the word i'm looking for neanderthal that's the one like it just instinct just kicks in damn i mean that that's so there actually is another condition called liver chorosis that can cause lactation by disrupting the organ's normal hormone metabol metabolizing function i don't know what i was trying to say there but i caught myself chirosis i'm just gonna cruise through it okay uh and the last interesting point uh, that I wanted to bring up is third nipple. Oh, it's I relative. know somebody with a third nipple. I know a couple people. You should actually know a lot more people to third nipple, and I'll get into that. So basically, the third nipple is a result of an incomplete regression of the milk that results in one, an extra mammary gland uh, buds developing where we'd normally expect them. That It just keeps developing. You have two, and then another one bas- just basically develops. Now, it doesn't necessarily... It's not... Most of the time, it's not like an actual like third nipple that matches the other two, but yeah. No, seriously, I know somebody that has one an two. extra set of nipples, not an extra nipple, an extra set. Like he is two thirds of the way to being a cow or a dog. Like he has like these tiny little buds that are not moles; they are totally nipples, and it was like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Can we get a picture for supplemental content and put it on Instagram at Rumor? I don't know the guy that well. <laughs> he probably doesn't even listen. If he does, please, you know who you are. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know who you are. If not, anybody yeah, that has four. to find out about the several listeners who have yeah <laughs> listeners if you have four nipples or even a third nipple we'll take it just send us pictures this is not us being creepers we're talking about males here that have extra nipples too well females if you have extra nipples too i mean not discriminating prove it but the last thing i was going to say was Sponsors. free the nipple campaign right there we go 
All right, that was actually really progressive. <laughs> we're good. We're good. We're good. So, um, it's actually found found that about one in twenty people have an extra nipple. That common? No way. Yes. Where? I mean, it can be anywhere. It could be on your back. It could be on your side. You know, like it just. If your mammary, mammary glands develop and it just doesn't develop all the way, basically, it's a third nipple. So and one in every 20 person is an X-Men? Well, that well, that's why when you said, I know somebody with a, with an extra nipple, and that's why I'm like, yeah, you probably know a lot more. Because, you know, let's say you know 100 people, five of those motherfuckers have extra nipple. It's a numbers Man. game. We're going to, like, start the more than two nipple uprising. <laughs> so, Ted Cruzen, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> All right. Lion Ted. I so, think we're done here. Yeah, I think that about wraps everything up. But now, so one of the things that I actually did want to bring up, uh, your first topic that you brought up, which one Which one was it? It was about cracking your knuckles, right? Yeah. So the thing that I wanted to bring up that was kind of <laughs> similar was how one of the things that stuck with me is when you said that it's not a very natural motion of, you know, cracking your knuckles, getting arthritis. It, something that kind of stuck with me was in the sports episode that I said is... Pitching, you know, throwing a baseball. It's not a very normal motion. Oh, yeah. But you do get arthritis from that. Yeah. So I just thought that was a very interesting kind of, you know, play on, on things. Well, from what I understand, like pitching, that's just extreme well, I mean, stress and it's fast too, pace. It's two vastly different, you know, ends of the spectrum. I mean. The logic does check out, though. Like I said, I mean, you have cartilage in your joints, all of your joints. And I guess the fingers are a little bit different when it comes to their padding. And that's why cracking it is a little bit, you know, more acceptable to do, which I'm doing right now. So, well, I mean, think about it this way. I mean, like how many times have you, you know, taken your arm, you know, and you, and it gets bent back the wrong way. I mean, it's broken just like that. But if your thumb, like if you go to catch a football or something like that and your finger gets bent back all the way, yeah, it sucks and it's going to hurt for a while, but it's not necessarily broken. Yeah, your good old phalanges have a little bit more stretch to them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that that's basically, yeah, that was basically what I was trying to say. Damn. In terms of you, uh, the lactating thing, I thought it was just water that came out. Because I've seen, like, instances of, like, people saying, that you know, men can lactate or such. But I was like, there's, you know... They don't have the proper mammary glands to actually produce the milk, but it turns out that they have just enough to make a little bit at least. So that was actually pretty interesting. And obviously the Blue Angel, well... The Blue Angel's the Blue Angel. That's going to be like the topic that either gets people to listen to us forever or to stop listening to us Yeah, and tell everyone <laughs> definitely not to listen to us. So we're not encouraging anyone to do that. We're not encouraging... We're not encouraging anyone to partake in the fire fart recipe, but but if you do, please let us know because <laughs> I'm really interested. All right. <laughs> so anything else that we got? We got contacts. Oh, we want to thank some people for reviewing us. Greg, we're going to let you take this one. Yeah. Yes. So um, we have a five-star review. Thank you so much from Megan1357. <laughs> a lot of numbers. So um, you can just say Megan. Oh, so you just, yeah. So anyway, uh, Megan gives a five-star review and says, This podcast was really fun. Uh, the conversation seemed pretty natural and had a good flow. Ooh, oh, thank you. Thank you, Megan. I can't wait for more. Oh, Megan. <laughs> oh, you. Send her a Paco. <laughs> so dumb. Thank you, Megan. If you want Ryan's best Paco recipe, write to 
Let's see. Rumorflies at gmail.com, Facebook.com slash rumorflies, Twitter.com. Well, Twitter's just going to be at rumorflies. Instagram's at rumorflies. Thank you, Josh. And do we have anything else? Website. Website, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rumorfliespodcast.com. Oh, and Google Plus. Look up Rumorflies. And we are officially. And we are officially on Google Play Podcasts. And. Just for some of you, because Ryan and I went through this with Androids, if podcasts aren't showing up, it's because they're rolling it out in phases, and it might take a little while to get to you. So if you're not seeing podcasts right now, don't sweat it, because it should be coming to you very, very soon. And other podcasts, if you're not seeing your podcast on there, don't sweat it, because it should be coming to you very soon. So, Oh, just, I was talking about in general. Yeah, there we go. Oh, and I guess that's another fair point. If, if there's a certain platform you listen to a podcast, and we're not on there... Let us know. We'll try to get on there for you. Please. And I guess all we'll just... I want is more work if things update. Yeah, there you we go. You got to do something around <laughs> right here, Greg. <laughs> oh, you're the worst. <laughs> all right. So I think that does it. Yeah. Uh, thanks again, guys. Uh, once again, I, I'm going to be a little sappy here. Just thanks again for all the love and support you guys send us. It's been really, really awesome. And it makes us feel good knowing that people out there just care about us and and like listening to us right we got people from like 17 countries looking at us granted it's like two people per country but hey brazilian listeners we like you and canada and france thank you no, those are the runner-ups i know but i'm just saying they're they're getting there yeah no, no, they're, they're tied they're tell your, they're dead even if you want to be part of the rumor flies nation and take over your country tell your friends <laughs> to download and send us some croissants <laughs> both of y'all are french so that's a, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So, go. uh, before we get too far off the rails, not that you already haven't already with these Pacos. So, uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. As always, I'm Josh. I'm Ryan. And I'm me. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll see you real soon. This episode's closing song is Automato by New Orleans band Drone Baby.